and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. I'm Rachel Can, and joining me is Lee Bunyap from the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Mr Lee is the Assistant Managing Director of the Capital Markets Group. Today we will be discussing how financial regulators deploy their tools to, det- to detect, combat and deter misconduct in the financial system. Thanks, Rachel. To start off, can you tell us about the role and scope of the Monetary Authority of Singapore? Well, the Monetary Authority of Singapore is quite a unique organisation in that we are a central bank as well as an integrated regulator responsible for regulation and supervision of banks, insurance and capital markets players in Singapore. So that would be like us having the RBA and ASIC combined. And uh, APRA. And APRA combined. That's right. That's interesting. Okay. In each jurisdiction, regulators use their regulatory toolkits in different ways. What regulatory tools are deployed by the MAS? Well, I would say that the regulatory tools that are deployed by us uh, would be quite similar to other financial regulators like ASIC. But before I go there, perhaps it's useful for me to share a bit about our regulatory approach. Um, Unlike some securities regulators where a lot of the focus uh, in terms of deployment of regulatory tools is in the area of enforcement, we deploy our regulatory tools in the area of supervision as well. So we have always had a large supervision team that uh, supervises our financial institutions on an ongoing basis. Um, We have an inspection program uh, which is done on a risk-based basis. So those institutions which we assess to be of higher risk, we pay closer attention to them and we inspect them more often. And by inspection, which is the term we use in Singapore, we send a team of our supervisors down to the institution and we go to their books, we we interview their senior management personnel, uh, we check on their uh, risk management processes as well as you know, sales process in processes in the case of a financial advisory firm, and uh, where we detect weaknesses in their policies and procedures or risk management practices, we can take preemptive action even before the weaknesses result in consumer detriment. So I think, uh, I don't know whether it is unique in Singapore, but I think to me, that's one of the distinguishing features that we try to address issues up front, even before consumer detriment has crystallized. And so the regulatory tools that we use can span from um, you know, requiring uh, or issuing a directive to the institution to remediate the weaknesses that we have uncovered in our inspection. I think the most basic is we can send them a private warning. I think that is the lowest form of uh, uh, supervisory action that we can take. Um, but for more uh, egregious offences, we can then step out our, our, our regulatory actions and that may involve a public reprimand. And the intention of the public reprimand is also to send a message to the rest of the industry that these are the types of behaviour that we frown upon and also hopefully it creates a deterrent effect that you know, they don't engage in the same behaviour. And then you go on to more serious regulatory actions that we can take that may involve curbing business expansion until you know the institution remediates uh, the weaknesses that we've uncovered, and you know on to even more serious actions such as prohibition orders against individuals, and these are essentially orders banning the individuals from working in the industry from a period spanning from a few months to to a lifetime. 
And of course, in the most egregious cases, we can revoke an institution's license to operate in Singapore. So how has the use of regulatory tools evolved in recent years? Um, I will. I think I'll cover that uh, from two angles. One is an increasing use of technology in, in our oversight of the financial sector. So an example that I can share is um, what we have called internally Project Apollo. Um, now, Project Apollo is an augmented intelligence engine that is built and codified based on past cases of market manipulation that you know the MAS has successfully brought to the courts and successfully, successfully prosecuted the perpetrators. Um, in the past, what is done is that you know our analysts will actually see through each individual referral, each individual re- uh, cases, to form an opinion of whether you know we should take the case forward. We, we know we should uh, devote resources to conduct investigations and so forth. So that's obviously very time consuming. Now, what we have done is um, having codified you know, all our past successful prosecution cases into this engine. This engine now helps us to prioritize all the cases that we have received in terms of you know, which are the top 10 cases that are most likely to be successfully prosecuted you know, using the metrics that has been successful in the past. The other aspect, um, and I touched upon this earlier, is that in the past five years, we have uh, place an increasing focus on individual accountability. And therefore, you know, before that, when we take regulatory actions, it, it tended to be mostly on the firm itself. Uh, now, in the last five years, we have uh, issued more prohibition orders against individuals where we have found that they are culpable for the wrongdoing uncovered. I think after the global financial crisis, um, the issue of culture and conduct, I think, has uh, become uh, a a topical issue that global regulators uh, have been discussing since then. And I think arising from those discussions, there were already a lot of focus um, on, you know, looking more at individual culpability rather than just looking at, you know, the wrongdoing committed by the firm. So what we have done is, and we are plugged into the uh, global regulatory community, we felt that... uh, even though we did not see the excesses in Singapore that was uncovered in the global financial crisis in other jurisdictions, we felt that some of the uh, recommendations, some of the ideas emanating from these global regulatory discussions were useful. What are some of the regulatory challenges faced by the Monetary Authority of Singapore? Okay, I will perhaps touch on that from two angles. One is following from what I described earlier, is um, you know, increasing use of technology to help us do our work better. I think one of the biggest challenges for regulators globally now is how do you balance uh, promoting innovation and yet at the same time uh, take into account that many of these new business models and new technologies are, un- are unproven. We still have to carry out our primary responsibility of ensuring that consumers get a fair deal and the markets remain safe and sound. The other angle that I wanted to touch upon is uh, something that uh, we, uh, IOSCO, which is the global standard setting body for securities regulators, have been discussing in depth. And this is this issue of um, we have global markets and yet we have uh, local rules. And um, if the intersection between you know 
markets operating globally and you know rules being applicable in the local jurisdictions not handled carefully um, you end up with market fragmentation because rules are different and therefore certain groups of uh, market players may only be able to trade within a certain jurisdiction because you know the, the applicable rules uh, cannot be uh, replicated across borders having a harmonized set of rules is actually impractical and probably not realistic but where we can go a long way towards um, solving or rather resolving this issue is in terms of deference so you look at by deference what we mean is that the rules between jurisdictions need not be identical but it needs to be similar enough such that the regulatory outcomes achieved by those rules are, are, are the same. So lastly, in what ways does um, the Monetary Authority of Singapore work with regulators around the world? We keep in fairly close touch with our regulatory counterparts, you know, both regionally in ASEAN. We have, an, we have a grouping called the ASEAN Capital Markets Forum. We meet at least twice a year and, and bilaterally we know each other very well. And therefore, you know, in this uh, forum where we meet, we share uh, ideas on how markets has evolved, what are the best supervisory practices, and you know how we overcome certain issues in our markets, and you know we, we learn from each other. And in terms of a further field, we have good close relationships with our EU counterparts, um, as well as you know our US counterparts, the CFTC. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mr. Lee. We'll be back with another episode of the ASIC podcast shortly. If you have feedback for us on this episode, send a tweet to ASIC Media. We'd love to hear from you.